Mr. Daflamatesam with Aleph. Beyond empirical evidence, Maschad Tadrafi Amra Melatachas Vitanya. Today's shir is sponsored by Chazan uh, Dr. Avram Alter, Chazan in the Santon Shul in, in Johannesburg, in honor of the memory of his mother, uh, Bela Basilal Alevi, whose yard site it is today, and also in memory of his Boba Chana Bas Moshe. Um, thank you for your sponsorship and, and others who've done so. That certainly will help us build the website in which we're going to have the Matmonim from the beginning available both in audio and in written form in Hebrew and in English tagged and searchable so your uh, support uh, is important and, and helps the project enormously um, as you know Chazan uh, your grandfather your father was a Chazan uh, at times that my father was a Rav in the Shul your grandfather was the Chazan in the Great Synagogue in Johannesburg and he used to come to my father every uh, Erev Yom Kippur and they used to learn through the Mishnah Seder Yuma, and your grandfather used to say it, it gave him added meaning in his Avoida when he did the Avoida on, on Yom Kippur. And that wasn't because there was information he was missing, he did this year after year, but just to put him into the mood and into the understanding so that when he did the Avoida in the Musafi from Kippur, he could do it from a place of, of, of depth, of deep neshama and, and deep heart. One of the strangest pieces of Gomorrahs we've had so far, and you have to learn it with a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh, the Gemara asks a question, this is talking about a case where a hooligan gets hold of a nozir and cuts his hair off. And now that messes up the nozir's whole counting and he starts counting again. There's a whole, a whole question that, that results from it. The Mishra, it's based on the Mishnah where the Gemara, where the Mishnah says, If a robber's shaved his hair, then he's got to start again, count 30 days and so on. So the Gemara goes into a whole analysis. Does hair grow from the bottom or from the top? Does the, does the root grow out of the scalp and pushes the hair out? Or does the hair grow like, like plants grow in the ground, where it's the, uh, the outer part, if you've got a tree, the new leaves are not from the bottom, it doesn't push the trunk of the tree up, the new growth is on the outer side. So does hair grow like, uh, like trees grow, or does hair grow like uh, from, from the source? And you know that there's a comparison in, of hair to, to trees, that's why... According to some, say that in Kabbalah, the idea of not shaving a child until he's three, cutting the child's hair, is like orla. But if it's like, if hair is like like organic growth of of, of botanical organic growth, then it should grow on the on the ends. And the nafkimina gemara says, what difference does it make? Lamai nafkimina. What's this? Just some scientific exploration. What is? That's not what the gemara does. There needs to be some halachic ramification to the question to make the question somewhat practical. Says so the Gemara, well, it depends this case of whether the robbers, if they cut off the uh, part of the hair there and they lift the part, left the part that's near the root, is the part that they left nausea hair or is it post or is it pre-nausea hair? Did they cut off the, the hair that was that was that grew while he was a nausea? Or did they cut off old hair and the hair that grew while he's a nozer is the part that they left behind? So it's a whole thing. So the Gemara goes into a whole question of you'll find certain lice that attach themselves to hair and the uh, and the Gemara wants to say you'll find that it's um, very often at the, at, the, at the source, at the root of the hair. Uh, and, and, and therefore, if it's at the root of the hair, clearly the hair that grew, grew at the end of the hair, not at the bottom of the hair. Now it says the Gemara, these lice can move up and down and then it brings a raya from a dead louse and where you find the dead louse and that goes on and on it goes and the Gemara says, no, you can't really 
bring any evidence from these scientific observations of these lice on hair because the lice has a will of its own and it can move up and down and you don't know where it came from. And then the Gomorrah says eventually, it wants to bring a proof from the hairdos of certain African tribes. And and because no, you can't because when they sleep, their hairdo gets messed up. You can't bring a proof from where the hair, whether the hair grows out of the hairdo or under the hairdo. It's it's the strangest piece of Gomorrah. Um, and then the, then eventually the Gomorrah says, Tashwa, I'll bring you a proof, Mesikrita de Rafi Amra Milatachas, where if you put a stroke of paint on a, on a sheep to mark it, which is what the farmers do, um, and then you find after a while there's white wool under the marker. So clearly, or, or sometimes hair if it's a goat, well, some of the fur. So you see clearly it's pushed from under, the, from under. It doesn't grow on the edge. It grows from underneath. Vitanya, and, and there's support for that, says the, says the, the Gemara. Vitu, and furthermore, kadsavi sabia diknuhun chavran ikvinimnuhun. When old people dye their hair that's gone gray, if they leave their hair a little bit, you'll notice at the roots it starts going gray again. So you can see from the Shmamina, Tatarabi, you can see from there that it grows from the bottom, Shmamina. This piece of Gomorrah appears in the Ein Yaakov. The Ein Yaakov is a, an anthology of Agadite from the Gomorrah, put together by the Rabbi Yaakov ben Chaviv from Salonika in the 16th century. Uh, so he clearly considered this as a bit Agadic, not just as a as a halachi piece of Gemara, but a little bit of, of Agadic Gemara. Uh, and there are things to learn from it. So there's a Sefer Kritut L'Rabbeinu Shimshun Mikino. Rabbeinu Shimshun Mikino is a Baltosvis, uh, 13th century, I think he was. And he wrote Sefer Kritut, which is the, the, some of the rules and principles of the Gemara. And he says, Matzinu Tashma She'inu Lo Mishnah V'Lo Sometimes the Gemara will bring a Tashma. Normally when the Gemara brings a Tashma, I'll bring you a proof. It's bringing you a proof from a Brisa or from a Mishnah, some source of authority. But says the Rabbeinu Shimshun Mikinyon, there are cases where Tashma is brought and it's not a Mishnah, not a Brisa, not a Memra. V'Lo Divrei Torah, it doesn't even come from Torah. Like our case here, they bring a raya from an empirical observation of a louse in here. Uh, and it, it's not based on any Mishnah or any kind of a brisa. So he uses this as a source for the fact that, it, that if there's no source in the Gemara for something, but you do have empirical information, you can use empirical information to resolve the dilemma. However, if we look at Rashi here, or the Mefarish as, as he is, he says something interesting. This word Vitanya that you've got on the last line of the of the of the Omid, it, it doesn't really fit in. Tashma misikrita derapi amra milatachas. You can see from this red paint, which which becomes white as it as it grows out, Vitanya, and it's brought in a in a brisa, and in the the the, the right girsa would be Vitanan. Some. Rishonim don't have this word in at all. It's a strange word thrown in, vetanya, uh, or vetanan. If it's vetanan, it's referring to a Mishnah in Bechorus, Dafnun Chesomodalf, where the Mishnah says, Be'ez etzad ma'asrin, how do you take Meiser Behemah, the tithe of animals, konsan ledir, you put them in a pen, 
ועושה להם פתח קטן כדי שלא יהיה שניים יכולים לצאת כאחת. And you make a little exit from the pen so that only one can get out at a time. ומוינים א', ב', ג', ד', ה', ו', ז', ח', ט', והיוצא העשירי, the tenth animal that goes out, סוקר בסיקרה. You paint with a red, with a red paint brush. ואומר, הרי זה מייסר, and you say, this one with a red marking of it is מייסר בהמה. That's the way you can, you've got to declare מייסר by actually counting them out and counting the tenths, and then you've got to mark the tenths to make sure that that's the one that goes to מייסר בהמה. So that's the only source we've got of this idea of סויקר בסיקרה, that you mark it with red paint, which the Gemara refers to, דרפי אמרה מלטתה, תשמע מסיקרתה, דרפי אמרה מלטתה. So, so why would it be? That says Rashi, Klomar, Ad hashtaba'ina lefirusha lechami midi de svara, delotalye b'midi de tanya. Up till now, we've brought you proofs from lice and from uh, African hairdos and from all sorts of empirical observations that we have. We haven't brought you anything that's mentioned in a, in a b'risa or in a mishnah. Ela hashtaikili mishmemi hadasukin ala asiri l'shumaisa dimitkasher kol aseh biyachat machmat ha-tseva shel sikra. But now, we know the case of where the farmers have to mark the tenth animal, and if you watch it and you see that red mark eventually moves out as, the, as it grows out, there's white underneath it. So you see it's, it pushes out from the bottom. And that comes from a bright, so that comes from a Mishnah. Now, we, the Mishnah doesn't say anything about the white hair afterwards, so we're still relying on some form of empirical evidence. But at least there's a reference to it somewhere in Shas. This is not, this is not pure empirical evidence. Based on that, the... Um, The Chidor, the Chidor is just um, one of the most prolific writers, uh, 18th century. He lived in, in Eretz Yisrael at first, he was in Hebron and in Yerushalayim, and then he used to travel a lot in this. We have some of his travel logs, so he went out to raise money for Hebron. In those days, he went out to raise money. It was a six-year trip. They didn't used to go for a, few, for a few weeks to America to raise some money. It was a six-year trip to raise money for Hebron. And on his last trip... He went to Livorno in Italy, and they persuaded him to stay there. There are unbelievable libraries there of, of Kisveyad, of manuscripts. And he worked, he was a real scholar, he used to work with manuscripts, and he knew all this for him. He's one of our sources of, of knowledge of what was printed where, what was even before printing, what was available in Sforim. He wrote Shem HaGadolim with a list of all the Gadolim up until that time, and all the Sforim that were published up until that time. Um, and he... Uh, and he stayed in Livorno and died in Livorno eventually. He was very prolific in Livorno, wrote a lot there. He's now buried in Haram Luchus in the 1960s. Uh, Rav Nisim, who was the Sephardi chief rabbi, brought his remains to Israel. And there's a beautiful story. There's actually a YouTube by Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, who was later to become the Sephardi chief rabbi of Israel. And there's a YouTube of him telling the story of how Rav Nisim charged him with organizing this project of bringing the bones of the Chidot to Israel. And when the flight arrived with the coffin and the bones inside, he didn't know how to arrange the bones so that they should be as the body. He didn't know enough about that. So he was mispalled that the, what should I, should I do? I don't know what to do. And he talks about how he heard a rumbling in the coffin and the bones sorted themselves out and put themselves in the right. In the right. That's the Chidot, you say, to understand the level of Kedusha of these people. So the Chidor writes in one of his many, many sforim called Ein Zoche, which is also a safer about the principles of, of the Gemara. He writes, Ein lo tzi din misvara, rach tzarich levakesh smach mea gemara mea poskim. 
You can't paskin a halacha using only logic. You've got to find at least some support in Shas, which as we know is the whole basis of the Vilna Gorn's Bira Gron Shulchanoch, to show what the support in Shas is, that nothing should be there that doesn't have a support somewhere in Talmud. Um, and he brings Harav Rabbeinu Yaakov Halevi B'Tshuva Simen Samach Beis. This comes from Rabbeinu Yaakov Halevi in Shuman Simen and he proves it from this sugi in Lametet that the Gemara brings all sorts of empirical proofs and then still looks for some reference in the Gemara that none. And from there, Rabbeinu Yaakov Alevi brings in the Tshuva that Svora alone is not enough. There's got somehow you've got to link it to something in the Gemara. And the, uh, so I, the, I wasn't sure who this Rabbi Yaakov Alevi, it could be the Maril, but usually the Maril is referred to as the Maril. And then there's another Rabbi Yaakov Alevi who's a Baal who also wrote a Sefer Chuvis. The interesting thing about that Rabbi Yaakov Alevi is his Chuvis are answers to que- Alachi questions that he got in dreams. When he had a Shaila, he would ask Hashem for the answer and then he would dream the answer. And one of his famous Chuvis is... He asked about Tfilin of Rabbeinu Tam and of, of Rashi, which is the right order of the Parshias. And in the dream, they answered him, it's a machlekes up in Shamayim as well. They haven't resolved it. Hashem says one thing and everybody else says something else and they, and they haven't resolved it. So the, um, but, but it, it, it has credibility, this, this Sefer Hachivas, firstly, is a Rishon, and secondly, the Radvaz and others quote from him that he, he has some kind of, so I thought it would be quite rich if it were him saying you've got to find a smach in the Gemara. But uh, he, he's fascinating from dreams. So, so I searched in the, in the Maharil, the Chivusa Maharil. The Maharil is normally no, known for his Sefer Amin Hagim. He wrote, he came from Mainz. We talked about Mainz as this place where Abbe Negation started off. And, and, and uh, the Maharil was towards the end of the period of Mainz in the 14th century. He wrote the Sefer Amin Hagim, which is the basis of all our uh, Ashkenazi min Hagim. But he also wrote Chilis and Chuvis. And in, I found Chuvis him in Samach Beis. And there he says, V'im yeshleim svarau chiluk delotana. There it's talking about a case where a town had agreed on a certain tax with the government and paid the tax. Later on, a new person comes to the town and, and settles in the town. And they want to claim from the tax. And he says, look, when you paid the tax, I wasn't even thinking of coming here. I've got nothing to do with it. And the Maril goes through the whole thing. And he says, V'im yeshleim svarau chiluk delotana. If the community is using logic to resolve this, misvara in l'chalek. You can't reason only with Svara. There's got to be halachic, there's got to be Talmudic basis for anything that one reasons. It's an important thing to understand. The Gemara is the basis of everything. If it doesn't have a basis in the Gemara, the authenticity is questionable. Whether it's a matter of halacha, it's a matter of hashkofa or musa, whatever it is, if you can't track it to the Gemara, then it's just an opinion. It's not, uh, it, it isn't necessarily authentic. Now, I couldn't find in the Maril any reference to our Gemara here in Nozir. I don't know where the Chidor saw that, but, but he does talk about this. So it's probably the Maril that he's talking about. So we see in this very strange piece of Gemara that there's some halachic relevance to it. Uh, just in this word, Vatanya, which in some versions we don't even have, but the Rashi is the important point, pointing out, unlike the Sefer Kritut, that you don't bring proofs only from empirical sources. You always try to find some reference, at least in Shas, so that it's not something that is just uh, out, outside of the Gemara. Because as we've talked often, our reality is the Gemara. The Gemara is more real to us than empirical evidence. Empirical evidence is argued. There's always things change. Did the last move up? Did the last move down? They're always 
possibilities to, to something in the Gemara. You want to have something in the Gemara to be sure. But there's another interesting aside here, and that's from a very strange person by the name of Rabbi Yehuda Arya Mimodena, who wrote a sefer Haboyne on the Ein Yaakov. Rabbi Yehuda Arya Mimodena was, a, I'm sure you probably know a bit about him. I know very little about him. He was a, a brilliant, brilliant person, but he was like a, a controversial. I mean, first, he had a lot of Christian followers who loved his stuff, and he was an artist. He was, in addition to being a Talmud Chochem, he was the director of music and theater in the ghetto of Vienna, of, of Venice. It's an Italian origin, very, very broad-minded and educated kind of a person. But he writes here very beautifully, and he says, hair is known to be a, in Kabbalah as being a demonstration of luxuries, of things that are unnecessary. And, and the Nazir cuts off his hair to show, I'm, I'm not interested in all these things that hair represents. I'm not interested in that. I'm only interested in things of, of Kedusha Vatara. And so he says, the question here is when a, person, a person's hair, a person's attachment to motarot, to unnecessary things in life, does that come from the core, from who he is? Or does that come from the environment, from the outer surface? That's what the Gomorrah is looking at here. What is the core? And then the Gomorrah brings from the old people who color their hair, who dye their hair, so that does, you don't see the gray. And he says, those are the hypocrites. They want to appear different from what they are. They're not authentic. They're older people and they're trying to present themselves as young people. They should know eventually your, your core will give you away. The, the grayness will start coming out at the source, at the root, and you'll be found and you'll be, and you'll be revealed as being, as being a hypocrite. He brings from, uh, from this Gemara, which explains why it appears in the Enyakov, why it has an, an Agadic piece as well. So just a, a lovely, strange, funny piece of Gemara, but we learn some important things from it that, uh, that really do make a difference. Mm-hmm.